Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. I'm grateful to be here to share the word of God with, with all of you. And uh, I'm hoping that today God will speak to, to all of us, just like he did uh, as I was preparing this message. Uh, today I'm going to be, we're going to go to the... Second Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 14 all the way to chapter 7, verse 1. So if you can look up in, in your Bibles or your Bible apps, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, all the way to chapter 7, verse 1. And if you can say amen when you find it, would you stand with me as we read God's word? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. We're going to start on 14. This is what the Word of God says. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God. And there shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement and, um, and flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for uh, the privilege that we have to come together and worship you. Uh, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for uh, this moment that we can share scripture together. We pray that you will guide us through your Holy Spirit. We pray that it will be you who speak to our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Today, I'm going to be talking about holiness and the fear of God. And uh, I'm going to be sharing a few points, three points uh, this morning. The first one is going to be the life of holiness is grounded in God's promises. The second point is going to be the life of holiness is furthered by complete heart purity. And the last one is going to be the life of holiness is sustained by a process. What do we mean by the word holiness? When you hear the word holiness, what do we mean by it? I think last time I was uh, preaching, not too long ago, I, I mentioned I gave a uh, the meaning, and uh, when you're studying a word, you can take different approach to start to start uh, to study a word. But uh, for this message this morning, we're gonna take a Christological approach. And the word holiness, the simplest explanation of what holiness means in the life of Jesus, it means holiness is separation. And the goal and the fruit of holiness. Is Christ likeness? So the the goal of holiness is uh, to be like Jesus. 
Holiness it simply means separation. We're separating ourselves from sin. We're separating ourselves from this world. And we're separating to, to God, to be a property of God. Amen? So holiness is separation. And the goal and, and the fruit of holiness is Christ-likeness. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Christ. He gave us that example how we ought to live our, our Christian life. So that is our goal. That should be our priority. So holiness or sanctification begins at the moment that, that we are saved. The moment that we accept Jesus as our Savior, we become holy. We, we become holy people. Not perfect, but holy in the eyes of people, in, in the eyes of God. Because when we accept Jesus as our, as our Savior, we're no longer bound to sin. We're no longer sinners. We become property of God and we become, become uh, his uh, sons and daughters of God. So as we walk in, in, the, in the Lord, uh, we should grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should, uh, therefore, we should develop in holiness and in, uh, in growing, continuing growing in knowledge in the grace of God to become more like Jesus every day. And there comes a time uh, somewhere along our Christian life where, we, where the Holy Spirit is going to start showing us some of the things that we haven't surrendered completely to God as we continue to walk with Jesus. And uh, he's going to show us that there's a little bit of more cleaning that needs to be done in our hearts. There's some, uh, sometimes we can be a little selfish. Sometimes, even as we're walking with God, sometimes we still want to do our own way instead of God's way. And I'm not making this up. This is what First Thessalonians says in chapter 5, verse 23. He says, sanctified entirely. He says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, completely. And he's talking about the entirety of you, your spirit, your soul, your mind. And what God wants to do in our lives is to sanctify us entirely. And it means that that we should be able to surrender everything from us to God. And after we do that process, you know, we can, we'll be able to hear better what the Spirit of God will say into our lives. He's going to be able to speak to us. We're going to be able to be obedient to God. That's why it is so crucial that we have our hearts cleansed completely from our self-centeredness. Because when we begin a walk with God, there's still something that, you know, we haven't surrendered completely to God. And that's what God, what God says. That was Paul was saying to the church of, of uh, current. That's what Paul was saying to, to the church of Thessalonians. He was telling them that, you know, you guys already accepted Jesus as your Savior. But sometimes you're still doing your own thing. You still you, you need to surrender everything to God. You're holding on to something. You have to give that up in order to, to continue to grow in the, uh, as, as we become to be more like Jesus. And after we, uh, that is why God wants us to be fully surrendered to him. Because we want to keep following Jesus and still do our own way sometimes. But God says, no, you need to surrender everything. Your spirit, soul, and body. And after we are entirely sanctified, just like First First Thessalonians says, uh, it, it, it's uh, that's when we can become to be. We can advance more, and we can become more 
like Jesus. So the first point that uh, we're going to talk about today this morning, it's the life of holiness is grounded in God's promises. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We have an identity to recognize. The word, God, the word of God says, as we were reading, says, you are the temple of the living God. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are the temple of the living God? Go ahead and tell them. Some of our temples are a little more expand, more roomy, but that's okay. That's just the way we are, right? Especially after tacos, they expand a little bit. But in the eyes of God, when you become a children of God, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you become the temple. So it is important, church, to view ourselves as that temple. I don't know if if you've ever seen one of those big churches, cathedral churches. They're big and they're you know they're they're, they're so fancy. They're 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 just so amazing to see when you walk in and you see everything so organized. They're just beautiful places. And uh, when I was a little kid, I was seven or eight, I I went to, they took me to this Catholic church in uh, San Juan de los Lagos. I don't know if your pastor might know that church. I was six or seven, and for me, that was, it was a big building. And it was a holy place. For those people, it was a holy place. For all the Catholic people, it was a holy place. You see people on their knees, going into the church from far away, because for them it was so, it was a so holy place. So we need to be ourselves, church, as a beautiful temple in the, in the eyes of God. Amen? Because guess what? God is living in you. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, God lives in you. Okay? Whether you feel it or not, whether you feel that Fuzzy feeling when you come to church, if you feel it or not, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, He is living in you. Amen? And uh, that's what First Corinthians six nineteen says. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price? God lives in every single one of us, and we must view ourselves as what, uh, as what we are. God wants us to think of ourselves as the beautiful representative. We are the light of this world. We are the salt of this world, so we represent God. That's a big responsibility, so no pressure. But yes, a lot of pressure, right? Because we have a responsibility when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we have to be ourselves as the temple of God, which means we have to keep it clean. Amen? You can't have a dirty temple. It has to be clean. And we go, when we go into our daily routines, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go shopping, when you're driving in the streets, you are representing the living God. You are a walking temple, and you're representing God. So we ought to represent it well. Amen? So every time somebody sees you, they're not not out to see you. They need to see the love of Jesus. They need to see the love of God. Amen? 
In this temple, God is resident. He said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. He is resident. He resides, whether we feel it or not, he is resident in our temple. He is living in our lives. Not only is God resident, but, uh, but he, res- and he resides as president. So not only does God need to be resident in our life, he needs to be president. And what that means is that we need to allow God to be, you know, the owner of our lives. We need to allow God to make all the decisions in our lives. We need to allow him to, to guide us every day of our lives. And when we uh, want to do our own thing, when we want to choose our own way, when God says you need to go over here and you want to go this way, you're not allowing God to be the president of your home. You're not allowing God to be the president of your life. You're not, you haven't fully surrendered to God because you still want to do your own desires. Amen? I'm not getting after you. I'm just preaching the word. <laughs> I'm just quoting scripture. So put your stones down. Not only do we, uh, God resides in our lives, but he's also, we need to allow him to be the president of our lives. And uh, that's uh, the identity that we have. So not only do we have that identity as a temple of the living God, but uh, we have an incompatibility to maintain. And because we are the temple of God, and because God dwells in, in us, we need to recognize that there are incompatibilities that we must recognize and maintain. And in verse 17, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not, not the unclean. We have an, incompa- an incompatibility to maintain. Okay? So, in the Old Testament, um, I don't know if you know uh, Scripture. I'm sure you do. But in the Old Testament, God forbid his people, uh, you know, there was a time when God forbid them to, to eat unclean food. He said, I am a holy God, and you are not to touch or eat nothing unclean, especially pork. Can't eat it because that is considered a sin. It's abomination against God. I don't want you to do it. I want you to eat only clean animals. So there was a time when God told them, you can't eat them. There was a, you know, from Adam to Moses, all animals were clean. From Moses to Jesus, God forbid only Jews not to eat unclean food. Anybody else can eat whatever they want. From Jesus to now, we get to eat whatever we want, including Jews, if they believe Jesus. So, yay, carnitas. (laughs) Bacon, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we have an incompatibility to maintain church. Amen? And uh, one of those in- incompatibilities is uh, righteousness and unrighteousness are incompatible. Chapter 6, verse 14 says, Be ye not unequal yoke together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? So, what is righteousness? 
Do you have a definition for righteousness? If you don't, I'm going to share a definition. Uh, righteousness is, is, a, is a measuring tape, measuring term. Okay, so think of a, of a ruler. Think of a measuring tape. If you want to cut something, you want to get it the right size, the right length. You got to measure and make, you, make your cut. Amen? So righteousness is measuring up to God's word. That's what righteousness means. So when we obey the word of God, that obedience is termed righteousness because we're living in obedience uh, to the word of God. We're being obedient to the word of God. So when we continue to walk with God, when we continue to follow Jesus, you know, when we are obedient to him, he, view, he views us as uh, righteous people. But the moment that we become to disobey him, the moment that we become to do whatever we want, then we become unrighteousness. But as we continue to follow God, uh, we can become righteousness because we are being obedient to him. And not only righteousness and unrighteousness is incompatible, but Christ and Belial, that's what says verse 15, says there's, there's nothing in common between them two. And Belial is just, uh, it's, it's a name that Paul is using to refer to Satan. So Christ and Satan, they're not compatible. You can't mix them two. You can't have both of them. You have to choose. And we choose Jesus. Amen. Light and, light and darkness are incompatible. That's what Paul says. Uh, they're not the same thing. Believers and unbelievers are incompatible. When you are in, right, in a right relationship with God, that obedience is termed righteousness. If you are not in a right relationship with God, then we become unrighteousness. So, what is the point of these incompatibilities? These principles demand that we separate ourselves from anything that will keep God from exercising his lordship in our lives. The continuance of your relationship with God, uh, you know, looking at these verses, as a born believer, uh, as a follower of Jesus, as a son and daughters of God, depends on this radical severance with anything associated with unrighteousness and darkness and unclean. So we notice on verse 17 that he says, he will receive us, if we meet the conditions stated, he says, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And then in verse 18 says, and I will be a father unto you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. So there is a condition that if we separate ourselves, if we accept Jesus, we separate, separate ourselves from anything that is unclean. And then God says, and I will receive you as my son, as my daughter. Amen. The life of holiness, the call to be Christ-like in every area is grounded upon God's promises to each and every one of us. Number two, uh, the life of holiness is furthered by complete heart purity. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 1 says, Having therefore... These promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness 
and the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So holiness. What is holiness again? Separation. We separate ourselves from this world because we want to become like Christ. We want to be like Jesus every day, more and more. So holiness is furthered by complete heart purity. Heart purity began when we received Jesus. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, that's when we began our, our walk with God. And uh, this passage that we're, we're reading in the scripture, Paul was writing to, to Christians. How do we know that? Well, he says so. It says right there. At the beginning of the letter, he says he calls them saints. He calls them holy. He says, you have been washed. You have been clean. You're walking with Jesus. So Paul says that these Corinthian believers were sanctified. He calls them holy. And he says, you used to be ungodly lifestyles, but God marvelous grace and brought a transformation into your life. So how is it possible to be a good Christian and yet have remaining filthiness in the flesh of the spirit? If Jesus is writing to believers, to Christian people, and then he says there's still some filthiness in the flesh, God is not, Paul is not saying you're being, you're being rebellious. That is not what he's saying. Because the church of Corinth, they didn't know. This is all new information to them. They were not living in rebellion. They were doing they were doing things that were wrong, but they didn't know they were wrong. They were walking in all the light that they had. So as when we receive new light, as we walk with Jesus, then we begin to change some things. We have to make some changes. If we continue to do it in our own lifestyle, once we receive the new light, the new information, then it's going to become rebellion, and it's going to become sin. So how is that possible? If, if Paul says, he says that they are Christians, how is that possible? Well, chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto, but as unto carnal. And Paul used this word carnal. And this is the, uh, a Greek word, uh, sarx. And Sometimes when we make our, come up with our own definition of a word, carnal, does not mean the same thing in every single place. It can mean different things. It can be translated in different ways. So in this passage, the word carnal means a baby in Christ, a new believer, a baby. So what are the, some of the characteristics of a baby, baby in Christ? Always the same thing as a baby in arms. They are uh, immature. You know, they are lacking information and their behavior. Some sometimes it's not very appropriate, right? He can start crying in the middle of service. He's a baby. He doesn't know. But this church, uh, they were not. They were. Uh, they were not doing. They were doing uh, things that they were wrong, but they didn't know they were wrong. Until God, until Paul uh, wrote this letter to them. So for these baby Christians, you know, they were not in rebellion. They, they didn't know. 
But uh, now Paul is saying, I-, I couldn't tell you this information before because you were still babies. You were still growing. So this is, uh, they were not doing willful sin. They were not doing, you know, they were not willfully doing sin. So, uh, because they were still babies. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Okay? So, Paul is writing to, to baby Christians. They were not ready yet until that time when they received that letter. said, now it's time for you to continue to grow. So, can you imagine how that was received by the Corinthian church? By the Corinthian Christians. This church was spiritually gifted. You know, they were walking in all the light they have. And, uh, and then Paul says, you know, you need to cleanse yourself. You're uh, doing some things that you're not supposed to. But they were spiritually gifted. So that tells me that spiritual, spiritual gifts, they don't, uh, it doesn't come with spiritual maturity. You have to continue to grow in the knowledge of God, you know, every single day. You know that kid's song that says, if you want to grow, you have to pray, read your word. How, do you, how can we grow? How can we continue to grow in knowledge and grace? We go to God. He's the only one that can help us. So they didn't know they were doing wrong. They were walking in all the light that they have. Uh, but Paul, uh, Paul had been giving them milk like babies because they were not ready but now, now it was time to put baby stuff away. Amen? No more baby toys. No more baby clothes. No more baby food. No more baby walks. No more baby behavior. It's time for our church to continue to grow in the knowledge, to continue to grow in the grace of God. Amen? So that's, this is what God has for every single one of us. We cannot stay a baby our entire lives. God wants us to grow. Amen? A life of holiness is sustained by a process. And uh, I'm almost finished. I'm as well to come. So what is the meaning of perfecting holiness? It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So what is the meaning of perfecting holiness? Well, this word perfecting is a present active participle and indicates an ongoing, continuous activity. It's not a a one-time thing. It's a continuous activity. So once we receive this word, we continue to grow in knowledge, we continue to grow in the grace of God. So it's a process, church. We're all in this process, and I hope we all continue to grow in the knowledge of God. We continue to grow as we become more like Jesus every day. So the motivation after you and I are sanctified, after we have received Jesus as our Savior, to continue to develop in holiness is the fear of God. He says perfecting holiness in the fear of of God. So what is this fear of God? We need to adopt the same attitude that God has 
towards sin. That is the fear of God. You know what Proverbs 8, 8, 13 says? It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. God wants every single one of us to continue to grow. He doesn't want us to get stuck in the same place, same situation. He doesn't want us to be doing the same thing over and over. It might have to be some changes in our lives. But God has great plans for our lives. But he cannot help us, you know, achieve those uh, plans or see what God has in store for us if we continue to walk like a baby Christian. So I encourage you, church, and this word is for me too. I encourage, encourage us all to continue to grow. I want to be like Jesus. I want to see him. I want every day to be different. I want every day to people see something different in me. A different change, a positive change, of course. So I encourage you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, and we're going to, I want to pray. And before I do that, I want to take advantage of this situation and uh, and do what Pastor Ryan do every Sunday. As you have your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I want to ask, is there anybody here today? that has not received Jesus as their Savior. Let me tell you, you don't have to be bound to sin. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to ask you just to simply raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you. We want to pray for you. If you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, all you have to do is raise your hand. Amen. Praise God. God is good. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in our lives. Thank you for the privilege that we have to call you Father. Thank you for the privilege that you've given us to receive you as our Savior. Thank you for the beautiful salvation that you have given us. Thank you for sacrificing, for giving everything in that cross so that we can have freedom, so that we can have eternal life. We thank you for the lives of everyone that's here. We pray and we ask you that you will continue to help us through your Holy Spirit to grow, to continue to advance in our Christian life. We want to do better. We want to be better Christians every single day of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.